I just well, don't update our Facebook anymore because so many white women were hitting on you in the DMs. Oh no, I don't. I don't even. I don't. I'm not even really on Facebook that much anymore. Honestly. I don't know like, if you want to like hook up with a 75 year old white Karen, but if you do, I mean, I've got I've got a selection available that are uh, thirsty for you, my guy. I need to be a sugar baby. I mm, mm, I don't know that these are sugar people. I think these are uh, whack jobs who are trying to prove they're not racist. I mean, hey, you know, I can prove they're not racist. Send me some money. <laughs> yeah, the best way to prove that you're not racist is to fund some black-owned business, baby. Is it half-owned? Well, ignore that half. <laughs> Pay attention to the right half. <laughs> Pay attention to the half that's Venmoing me money as we speak. Basically. It's your boy, the Mark Rob, aka Sean Mad Love, aka Gordon Darks, aka Four Eye Willie, aka Pacey Twitter, because I don't wanna wait for my tweets to be over. I want to know right now, will you retweet? Coming at you with episode 40 of We Should Do This Again Sometime. In the episode, Kat and I discuss Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, a Muffet Family Christmas. And a Muffet Christmas Carol. Also, I do discuss Christopher Nolan's Tenet. It will contain mild spoilers. The show notes will list where to jump forward if you do not want the movie mildly but not fully spoiled. When you do decide to watch Tenet, come back, listen to this episode, listen to the segment, and let me know if I'm crazy or not. For everyone else, enjoy. But the blue like for Tenet leaked, finally. Well... The it was always you could always watch like the bootleg of Tenet, but it was like um you could only watch like the video recordings of it. Yeah. But now I guess because they're actually gearing up for the actual release of it, the the ten eighty P version actually leaked now. Hmm. So I was up until like two o'clock in the morning watching that last night. Is it worth and- it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was about my takeaway from your Letterboxd review, I'll be honest. Oh, shit, so you read it? Yeah. I mean, well... I don't want to say I told you so. I'm just glad I did not risk watching the movie theater. I'm very glad. I I had one person be like, well, you're going to need a quantum physics degree to understand it. And I just went, <laughs> well, that, then that's not good storytelling anymore, and I don't want it. Yo, it was literally your part. It was like virtually at the exact 15 minute mark of the movie where the science is explaining. Well, do you care if I spoil it for you? Uh, at all? Go for it. I'm never going to see it. So basically, I have I, negative desire. So obviously, it's, it's a Christopher Nolan movie. So obviously, they're fucking with time. And centuries. That's the in, only trick he has. I mean, at this point, yeah. And so, centuries in the future, a woman discovers how to manipulate time and her only kind of fight against that is 
to send objects back into time so man can oh my god say it out loud it just sounds very bad go ahead lay it on me so she sends so this woman centuries in the future they don't know when she sends weapons back into time which is i guess the current time in the tenant story and what those weapons do they function by oh my god by (laughs) by going backwards so if you shoot a gun if you shoot like the specialized gun the bullet it doesn't shoot directly to you so you're not really shooting a gun you're catching the bullet and it's it's just a fucking mess like and so well actually in to summarize it the the real part that it really comes down to so she's explaining this like scientific thing to john david washington and is at the 15 minute mark exactly she says don't try to don't try to understand just feel it (laughs) when when he when she said that i immediately knew like this F in the chat, come. man. That how do you come back from that? As soon as she said that, I immediately knew the fuckery was about to get fuckery. What, like, what does that even mean? It doesn't mean anything. It's like when people like give you drugs and say, "Don't understand. Just just go with the flow." Basically. Yeah, no, just take them. Yeah, just don't think about it too much. Just take them. No, this isn't liquid heroin. Just no. So no, 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 no. This is not crack cocaine. It's fine. So, oh my god, yo, it's oh man. I really sad to come to the conclusion about how you know what it is. So I I look over his filmography, and are you finally coming around to my hot take of Christopher Nolan is eh, fine, I guess. You know what it is like. He just doesn't need to write his stories. I think that's what it is. Like I think his vision for wanting to build like this this grandiose sort of like visual story, I think it's probably one of the most impressive feats that a director has done. But I'm glad it's good for you. Well, yeah, but it, it's sort of like kind of the cotton candy. Like as soon as you put it to any scrutiny, it immediately dissolves. So it's like, if you look at filmography for the movies that he didn't get like any sort of co-writing help with, all the story is completely just non-existent and it's really sort of well i would say anything post like dark night like the characters is just sort of flat and like non-existent okay, but even then like i still feel like i'm the only person banging the like nolan batman movies have problems gong no because but because I, I remember even dark knight rises when they came out like i think that i think that was a the i think that was well, no, I think Inception was the first one where people were kind of like, well, okay, we have folding streets, but what else do we have? And then Dark Knight Rises came out, and then it was like, okay, we're sort of noticing a trend here. And then after, I think Dunkirk, Dunkirk was really great, but you literally leave that, leaving that movie, you don't know who people's names are. Like, you don't know, like... <sighs> He just can't write characters. Like that's you're not making a great case. Like you're kind of continuing to just prove my thought process here. Well, no, I'm not I'm not really necessarily arguing against your kind of case. Like 
I think for even for something like Memento, which was like ninety eight, and a lot I'd also of people, just like to apologize to Dan Fox real quickly. I mean, <laughs> friend of podcast Dan Fox. I mean, like Memento that came out in ninety eight, and a lot of people really looked at that movie as being like just really great. I like Memento, but you can kind of see that he's really laying thick on just like laying on the the sort of motif of time and manipulating time and what he can and can't get away with. And Memento is good. And I don't think it's anything, I think it's a little bit too long, but I don't think anything necessarily wrong with Memento. But in Tenet, it's just, it's, you know how you saw like um, Inception, right? Yeah. Remember I had my hot take of it's better when you can't hear it? Hilarious. I stand by that. Well, I guess uh, I guess kind of a larger point. Christopher Nolan does this thing in almost all his movies to where there's going to be the turn. He there's... sets up a prestige. Like yeah. he sets up a trick for every single one of his movies. The big mistake that he made is that he started giving it away. After yeah. he made a movie where he literally explained his filmmaking philosophy. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but but no, like that's that's legit. Like the point I was gonna make, like because there are two slights of hand he tries to get away with, and when they immediately happen, I immediately knew what the fuck it was, and it was like, oh yeah, this okay, I know why Robert Pattinson ran away until yeah was taken care of. I know what that meant. Like when this woman was telling the story about how she was jealous of this other woman she saw, I immediately knew what, what that turn was. And it was kind of like, I, I don't think Nolan, and I, I, I actually put this in one of the chats. I don't think you're in our Discord. Um, we have a Discord? Yes, Hyphen Podcast Group has a Discord. But the reason I brought it to Discord is because I put in to the chat, like, we're probably going to have to have the conversation of, does Nolan need to make any new movies? And I just don't think he needs to write anymore. I think if he takes another written sort of work and build it out, I think he could probably do a lot of great. You say you don't ever plan on watching Tenet? It might be one of those things where like, if friends are like, hey, let's go see it like at a theater when it's safe again, like maybe I'll go, but I actually don't care. Yeah. I've reached the point in my development where much like not having seen Titanic used to be a personality trait of mine. Not caring about Christopher Nolan movies is now a personality trait of mine. Hilarious. How do you want to talk about these movies? Because I don't, I feel like there's not very much separation. Well, I was thinking that we could use this as an entry point into the Muppets in general. Okay. Uh, and kind of talk about if we have any, like, particular, like, Muppet affinities. I used to be really big on Fraggle Rock. Okay. I, I routinely describe myself as red with Moki's color scheme. <laughs> it used to be just on when I was, like, really a kid just kind of growing up. Well, first of all, I feel a strong need to send you, and I should have done this before now, but I'm sorry. Uh I need to send you a blooper reel from Emma Daughter's Doug Band Christmas. <laughs> I think I saw it on YouTube. All seven minutes of it? Uh, well, I think I saw the clip. I didn't actually watch it, though. Okay. I didn't know if it was real or not. Was it real bloopers? Yes. Specifically, one scene. 
I want a tattoo from this. Like, that's how much I love it. Well, I haven't watched The Otters in at least fucking 30 years. God damn, I'm old. My motherfuckers was poor, bro. The motherfuckers was destitute. You're also about to hear me sing a lot. Just fair warning. (sighs) Like, this whole episode is going to probably be me singing. The Fraggle song from Muppet Family Christmas is high quality fraggle bullshit la 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 pass it on when it's nice and bright and it brings delight let your heart choose right gotta pass it on when it feels real good like a feeling should when it's understood gotta pass it on when i got the deleted scenes plan a forty dollar get fiddle they could not afford. <laughs> I mean, let's let's also remember though this is like eighteen hundred otter. I'm sure that was a lot more money then. Oh well, yeah, like uh, they were splitting two quarters for doing work on a fence. Half of fifty cents. Half of fifty cents. They're chipmunks, right? What are they? Beavers? They're otters. Oh, it's in the title. <laughs> it's been a long 2020 cat it's been a very long 2020 can you please make that the like intro Basically. what are they squirrels or some shit they're otters oh it's in the name da 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 yeah these motherfuckers look stressed yeah now so of the three did you grow up on any of these like as a kid or was oh, it all up like on the three of them okay which one of these were you like most drawn to? Oh, that's not a fair question at all. <laughs> this so, is very fair. Very, very fair. I think that I really liked Emmett Otter in a lot of ways because it was like we only saw Emmett Otter and that like world at Christmas. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> My feet are stapled. Um, You're dying laughing right now. Are you still watching? Yeah. I'm a munchkin. So, like, I think I enjoyed the fact that we only visited the Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas world at Christmas. Yeah. But at the same time, A Muppet Family Christmas, I really loved because we got to see everybody. Yeah. But also, like, I don't know. I would say at least at least once every five years, I break down crying during A Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> and I quote, I quote those lines a lot. I quote, "Thank you for making me a part of this," like too often. Hilarious. So you don't want to pick a favorite one? I think as like a movie, it has to go to to Emmett Otter's Shug Band Christmas for me because I think its storytelling is so good in such a short amount of time. Really, I I wouldn't have thought you would have picked that one. I thought you. Hmm. I agree. I I think it's a pretty I think it's so weird kind of seeing this movie in kind of the lens of twenty twenty, but thinking about how you used to see this in like the early nineties and how it didn't really matter this was made in like you can really tell it was made in, in like seventy seven in all honesty. Yeah. And just thinking about kind of how it's so weird thinking about how anti-capitalist <laughs> at least two of these movies are. The otter is like, these motherfuckers is poor. 
and they finally come up when they get a, a gig at a yeah. restaurant. Well, they get a they get a gig because they're two fine people, and then everybody learns that they're also talented. Yeah, I, uh, I also like, think that been, with is this five five minutes of this drum. Yes. Not oh my god, you set me. <laughs> I just I did you get to who are we, Ma? I couldn't care less. Hilarious. I also think that the music from Emma Daughter's Jug Band Christmas isn't, it's not the best necessarily, but like when the river meets the sea is such a good song. Like the music in it is so good. What's the villain's name? Uh, Chuck? Yes. <laughs> like they, it's so funny. Like they're <laughs> like, they had this baller ass car they got snowmobiles they got full band set up they're the rich kids yeah like we're making the poor woodland creatures feel bad hey yeah chuck i'm hungry hey everybody chuck's hungry no i'm not hungry i'm hungry chuck chuck no let's go in come on they have rainbow colored turtlenecks with vests in the. Oh big my god, puppy that hats. weasel is like a style icon. Oh yeah, big, big seventy vibes. That's how you can tell it's from the seventies from what he's wearing. But, but yes. just him. Yes. Everyone else is like in an eighteen eighties popper story, and yes, then there's sir. this one nineteen seventy seven weasel. <laughs> <laughs> they have like shr- They have like it's so funny. They have like like laser lights and like shredding guitars and synth keys like but did you listen to the lyrics because the lyrics are so good in that song it's uh what's it called their their nightmare the river bottom nightmare band awesome name yes but it contains one lyric that i have thought about more and more as the years have gone on and uh, i'll i'll recite it now and we'll see if you can figure out why i've been thinking about it so much we don't wish to learn but we hate what we don't understand i mean, <laughs> I mean <laughs> that's genius like right that's um, great and then at the on the other side of that, we have Ma Otter's song about how, like, if we all appreciated the beautiful things and all got to know each other a little better, like, maybe the world would be better. And at a certain point, like, it literally comes down to, like, this is about their ethics. Like, Basically. I'm riding with know. the nihilist, though. We, we don't wish to learn, but we hate what we don't understand is directly juxtaposed with like, we're closer now than ever before. There's love in our world and we're showing it more. And like, literally, she is immediately followed by people that are like, we don't brush our teeth because our toothaches help us stay mean. And like, the public sides with the other people. I mean, our world says, welcome, stranger. And then the whole neighborhood is like, no, we do not. We do not care for strangers. The grass does not grow on the places where we stomp and stand. The River Bottom Nightmare Band. 
it's it's so funny. This is like a couple of years before like like punk rock is like really born. So I feel like I, they were really the touchstone. They were the catalyst of yep. of all this wild shit that birthed out of punk rock. So also, I I got to see Wendell, like the Wendell puppet. Okay. And I got like embarrassingly emotional about it. Oh. Another line that we we pull from this a lot in in the family is, "Will there be mashed potatoes?" <laughs> like, there's just a lot of really cute, like, quotable moments in this. Yeah. The thing that I really like about it is it's timeless in the way that it feels very timely. I think the music is very strong. When the river meets the sea is on their Christmas album with John Denver, which if you haven't checked out, I highly, highly recommend. I feel that every character in it is has a memorable look. Like, I remember the name of Gretchen the Fox. I have no reason to remember the name of Gretchen the Fox, but I do. <laughs> I remember Hetty Muskrat. I remember what they sound like. Like, I, I think that the characterization in this is very good especially considering like it is all puppets there is no michael kane to play (laughs) off of there is no the guy from fraggle rock to play off of yeah it is puppets and every okay every time when it shows emmett writing that little note to ma and he's in his little suspenders and he doesn't have his hat (laughs) on every time i see it every year i'm like <laughs> would you be out here sacrificing like personal items for gifts for other people like would you put a hole in in the wash was the wash tub the wash tub uh that's such a hard question Ooh. i will just say that when i watched this with uh one of my friends last year he put the hole in the wash tub and he grabbed my forearm made eye contact with me and he just went he put a hole in the wash tub. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, we had a song about why it's good not to do that. And he put a hole in the wash tub. Like, he was so upset. I mean, hey, they're mega poor. Listen, if they didn't get that job, she was not going to be able to replace that. Like, like They were going to starve, yes. That is the implication. Jeez. Growing up, Watching this movie, I lived with my mom and my dad. We lived in in Southeast DC, and we were we were pretty like not necessarily like upper middle class, whatever. But for where we were, like we were at least decent enough, like living situation, whatever. But I still remember kind of like a lot of the people around me, like they didn't have very much, and mm-hmm. so a movie like this, like especially when you're that young. You really sort of feel the the gravity of what it means to not have access. I thought about how a kid in today's age would kind of watch this movie because when I grew up, even buying like hundred dollar tennis shoes, like that wasn't like a thing. Now there's like literally a carousel of Nikes that are two hundred dollars, hundred fifty dollars that come and go, and then they resell for thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like. I did kind of joke and say it was kind of like, you know, anti-capitalistic, but I mean, kind of, sort of kind of the ways it, it's kind of like, 
you know, we have this sort of poor family and yeah, they eventually do kind of you know, get the break that they kind of deserve, but they take a lot of L's. And so like yep. growing up, I can definitely sort of gravitate toward while like they don't have very much, but at least they have each other and they try to work hard to try to get what they can earn. And then they eventually get paid off. So when I was a yeah, kid, I that mean, was a pretty good message. You can also see like, when they lose, the first thing that Ma Otter does is like, come on, let's get home. It's late on Christmas Eve. Yeah. The first th- thing that she is drawn to do is to care about other people. Yeah. And at no point is that like portrayed as a weakness. Yeah, definitely at, not. You know, and the fact that, that Emmett is so exuberant and wants to be just like his dad, like he's like, he's a child otter. At no point is that portrayed as as bad like i love how the characters are the characters are the characters and even chuck even the nameless weasel even the snake and the fish like the narrative obviously is like oh they're mean but like it's not like oh they're mean and we hate them it's like oh they're mean and we we love them too and like they get a bunch of fun moments the otters get a bunch of fun moments watching them do the slide is so it's so joyful and i think that's something that that the henson studios always kind of excel at is that joy yeah but at the same time like this is not relying on characters you already know to create that joy hey what's up y'all it's malachi and this is alejandra and you're sitting on the couch and your life is passing you by because you're not watching Insert Name Here. Catch us Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you missed us, you can catch us on Friday on Spotify and Amazon. Yeah, obvious nonsense, gang, gang. Hyper Podcast Squad, you never take us down. Let's pivot to, I guess, probably a Muppet Christmas Carol. I'm very certain I've seen this growing up. Yeah. I did not remember it at all. So, did you enjoy it? I'm not in a Christmas mood yet. I don't know when I will be, but I think the movie itself, I think it was still pretty solid. I mean, we got Michael Caine. I mean, that's that's always a plus. We got, and who's, who's the, the, who's Charles Dickens again? Gonzo. Oh, Gonzo? Yeah. That's the name of, of a Muppets character. Bro. Are you I, sure you watched this? I did. I just knew he was Charles Dickens. I didn't catch his, his, his like, puppet. You don't know who Gonzo is? Bro. I'm, okay. When I tell you 30 hold, years, hold up. an exaggeration. I mean, yes, but have you watched any other Muppet things? Or did you just, like, put Muppets in your hope chest 30 years ago and, like... Oh telling you it's not an exaggeration three days actually the only thing was like muppet holiday stuff not like the entire conception of the muppets hey man i I forgot monster i forgot i forgot what his name was you mean animal there you go see telling you telling you three decades ago big the only reason i knew big bird because he's a big fucking bird like i'm telling you like wow, there's a large bird. I wonder what his name is or her name is. I don't. Mean, what is, is is Big Bird non-binary? I don't. Anyway, I saw the large bird. I was like, wow. I was like, ah, oh, yes, it's large bird. Tall bird. 
Bird, but big. Okay, so you liked Charles Dickens. What else did you like? Oh, the movie? I mean, I don't know. I just, maybe I'm not in the Christmas mood, but I thought it was a very cute movie. <laughs> like, okay. it, it was cool. Like, it was, I'm just not in the Christmas spirit, man. It was oh, cool, though. Legitimate. I personally feel that it is one of the best Michael Caine, like, performances? things. Yeah, not as, like, a performance necessarily, but all of his co-stars are talking socks. I mean, hey. And he's still, like, going for that Oscar. Bob Cratchit? Yes, Mr. Scrooge? Who is this? It's Mr. Applegate, sir. He's here to speak to you about his mortgage. Please, Mr. Scrooge, I know you're very angry about this, and I didn't mean to fall behind in the payments. Lord knows it being Christmas and all. Oh, please don't shout at me, sir. That and, of course, little Gwen. Her lungs aren't right. The doctor takes his share, don't he? I mean, you can yell and scream, and you're right, but it won't do no good because I'm the stone you can't squeeze blood from, and that's the truth! Thank you for not shouting at me. Let us deal with the eviction notices for tomorrow, Mr. Cratchit. Tomorrow's Christmas, sir. Very well. You may gift wrap them. He gives a, a truly amazing Scrooge performance in a movie where everyone else is a sock. You know what? You know what it was this time around? When I was, I did remember this. When I was a kid watching these, I was always just sort of like entertained. But I feel like this is the first time when I tried to figure out like the magic behind the actual things. Like I was. I was trying to figure out, like, how do they have 12 rats behind Kermit just talking right now? Like, well, watching this now, being impressed of the craftsmanship behind and everyone, like, buying completely into this. Like, I remember, not I remember, I was very impressed by this in this watch. Yeah. I also think that the music is very good as well. Gentlemen, watch close up for Christmas. There's magic in the air. This evening, magic in the air. The world is at her best, you know, when people love and care. The promise of excitement is one the night will keep. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas. One More Sleep Till Christmas is one of my favorite little ditties of a song. I think it's very sweet. I find the key change very endearing. Gotta smile today, the world has gotta glow. There's no such thing as strangers when a stranger says hello. And everyone is family, we're having so much fun. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas. Okay, ready? It feels like Christmas makes me cry almost every time. There's something about the movie that. Every time I watch it, I feel like something different makes me laugh. Okay. I feel like a different Rizzo line totally catches me off guard. Or one weird, like, physicalization that Gonzo does makes me laugh. Or the the way that Sam Eagle goes, it's the American way. It's the British way. (laughs) That was funny. Or Michael Caine trying to sing at the end. 
there's so many like well choreographed and well done and like you were saying visually impressive layers in an already pretty good story yeah one thing that i think is very cool is that the ghost of christmas past what character was that she wasn't none of the ghosts are characters the things you can see in the past are characters the ghosts themselves are not okay except marley and marley but yeah that's what i was thinking of yeah um but she was filmed in a tank of water and that's why she moves like that okay and they added her in after and it doesn't really look like it like it, it looks like she's ghostly and weird but she looks like she's there yeah which considering this was like what 1998 green screen effects was this 98 I think it's eight or nine. 92. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's even more of a long shot. It was going to look good. Yeah. I just think that the, the care that went into it is evident in everything. Yeah. You know, like, the part that always makes me smile is when Rizzo gets all scared about jumping off of the thing. The, the oh, yeah. And then he goes back through to get his jelly beans. And Gonzo never explains why that's funny. He's just so flabbergasted. He just doesn't say anything. He just keeps moving. All those moments like that that I didn't necessarily think were funny as a kid, but now as an adult, I think are very funny. And like, you know, it all just kind of layers in in ways that I think are very, very cool and very smart. But also maybe is one of the best retellings of this story. Uh, if it's not, it's very close. It's very impressive from that respect. I I also appreciate very much that it uses actual bits of the book, you know, the narration from from the story that in other adaptations, there's no way for them to kind of wedge in there. Yeah. But by adding Charles Dickens and also Rizzo, they're able to to use more of the primary source of the book. So I also think like it's it's a very good introduction to metatextual analysis. Am I wrong though? No, I just think metatextual analysis for Muppets. I think it's very cool that <laughs> I think it's cool that these Muppets can have that kind of description be applied to them and be very accurate. Can I suggest like taking a swing at the Muppet movie one of these days if you're feeling up to it? The weird metatextual analysis, like, obviously, it's a little more overt when they're like, I am Charles Dickens, and I have opinions about the thing that I wrote. But, like, (laughs) it still exists in The Muppet Show. Like, the fact that somehow the joke, like, I don't know, I'm just feeling lost. Oh, have you tried Harry Krishna? (laughs) It's very good. It's definitely worth, like, checking out with this kind of metatextual lens that exists. Live from an undisclosed location in a basement in New York City, it's me, Craig, ruler, well, mayor of Dimension X and the producer of the hottest new pod in that dimension or this one, the Shredhead Pod, starring the Blasian Batty, aka Google Chrome Dome, aka Ado Nobu Nigga, aka my best friend, Oroku Saki. A.K.A. The Shredder. And we've put aside our differences with the Ninja Turtles to be your weekly source of hot takes, sports and entertainment news, 
Stay all the way and hear who Saki is named as his Cretan of the Week, and find something valuable in the Shred Commendations. So we'll see you on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever your pods are cast. The Shredhead Pod is a member of the Hyphen Podcast Group. Kind of round us up with your thoughts on the Muppet Family Christmas. Definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that one, I think they're kind of lessons like sprinkled every now and then, but I feel like it's more of like, we just want to entertain the kitties. Like we have Miss Piggy getting blown away in a fucking uh, snowstorm, windstorm, but we're just really going for the laughs of that one. Hello? Hello, Kermit. I finished my shopping. Unfortunately, Jerome got the limo stuck in the snowbank. <laughs> so I'll just have to catch a taxi to the farmhouse. Listen, Piggy, there's a terrible storm outside, and I really think it's too dangerous to travel. So why don't you wait for the storm to end before you join us? Nonsense! And miss my Christmas Eve with Boo? It's just a little bit of snow. See you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs> Miss Piggy will be all right. See, I would argue that this is still trying to be a family entertainment piece. Yeah. Because there are a lot of weird off-the-wall jokes in there that, like, the mom makes. The, the implication that some of the Muppets are going to have to sleep hanging on hangers in closets because they're out of space. Some of the stuff that's, like, kind of just touched on real quick is, like, kind of dark. And I love it. My favorite was the uh, the guy who's dirty macking on uh, Gonzo's girlfriend, the turkey. Camilla. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I tell you, chicken little, you're my kind of poultry. Uh, Camilla, what's going on here? You got some drumsticks there, my fine feathered mama. Uh, but, but Camilla's my girlfriend. You gotta be kidding. You're not even a bird. Well, nobody's perfect. Come on, Ninny Penny. Let's me and you go out to the farmyard for a little friendly scratching and squawking. Uh, All right, uh, cut that. Does it? Let me at him. I'm gonna rip off his uh, waddle. You and what other nerds? Come on, put up your wings, turkey toes. Why, you're pulling my leg, hose nose. Well, I'll be pulling your, your wishbone, cranberry breath. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah! Work! What do I hear? You hear me about to make some turkey hash. No, no, listen. Me thinks me hears carolers. Or like when he implies that the Swedish chef should murder Big Bird. I mean, hey, man. (laughs) So let me like start really basic here. We found this tape at a church rummage sale. Nice. And the tape that we found at the church rummage sale did not have the Muppet Babies section in it at all. And then we tried to find it on DVD. And the only DVD that we could find was like $130 and was 20 minutes shorter than the tape we had. Jeez. And what had happened was this was a TV special that had no home video distribution rights. Yeah. And so things had fallen apart as they had tried to distribute it on home video. First of all, this is one of the few... Muppet projects that Jim Henson is in. 
as Jim Henson, not as Kermit the Frog. But it also marries the Sesame Street gang. It marries the Muppet fam. It has the Fraggle, the Fraggle folk. It has all of their TV friends yeah. under one adorable umbrella. I think that the music is good. I think there are a lot of really nice character moments. I love the idea that the mom is like, I'm going on vacation. I'm an outie. And Fozzie <laughs> is like, no, we're here. And she's like, you're right. You're here. I guess I'm staying. Like, yeah. I, I love that. Ah! Like, the, <laughs> the running gag about the icy patch. Yeah. Couple one, of my, one of my favorite dumb things is that in several scenes in the background, you see people slip on the icy patch. Yeah. Like, it's not, big attention isn't drawn to it, but that was like, someone was like, oh, that person's running over the doorway. There's an icy patch. They're going to slip. Yeah. There's so much little detail in in there that I, I think is great. I love the idea that Miss Piggy had just a dog sledding costume waiting for whoever she knew Kermit was going to send to come get her because it had to be someone. Yeah. I love Grover, the mouse, and he has the bowl and the spoon to prove that he is in fact not stirring. (laughs) A joke I have definitely gotten a lot of mileage out of in my life. (laughs) Uh, I also love that it is pre, like pre gentrification of Elmo. (laughs) Uh, yeah, this is like 10 years before Elmo is like out of this world. This is aggro caveman Elmo. I don't even, I still don't know why that Tickle Me Elmo was a thing. Like, it was just a red doll. I okay, you were talking to the wrong person about why it was Tickle Me Elmo a thing. You um, want to know what my first word was? Elmo? Yeah. Jeez, that's funny. I saw my Tickle Me Elmo and I would go... Mo! Uh-huh. Mo! <laughs> That's cute. Like, you know, some people's first word was like, Mom! Nope, Mo. Elmo. All in on Elmo. <laughs> From the jump. He set the world on fire, man. What can I say? Yeah, and like, in this, he's just like a cranky aggro nightmare, and I love him. Um, <laughs> but I, I just feel like, even though this is such a throwaway, like, hour-long TV special... Nothing about it feels half-assed. Oh, no, definitely not. Like, this is, like, 87, like, coming into the very early 90s. I remember being in kindergarten, and we would we would watch, like, Sesame Street. We would watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Like, we had, I, I really remember we used to have this little den to where it was on the side of the classroom, and there was a TV, and you could have like like little bean bags or whatever. And we would like an hour a day, like we would watch PBS. And so, yeah, like this is like definitely not throwaway material. Like this is definitely like worked on. Like a lot of like a lot of people got their hands on this, and a lot of people mm-hmm. would enjoy this coming up. And like I just love like the Fraggle the Fraggle song. and then but then later in the special you see robin give the pebble to grover yeah i don't know i just i think that stuff's really sweet 
No, it's just it's cool as fuck. We got Bird and Ernie on their uh, couples retreat that they don't <laughs> that they don't acknowledge. <laughs> what a long, strange journey it's been for them. Um, <laughs> Definitely. And and maybe this is just me being particularly like a sap, but I I would argue that there are some lessons that exist in this special. You know, they maybe aren't as overt as like. Have you considered that Christmas is not about the gifts? It's about where you feel loved. <laughs> no, that's a there, that's a great lesson, man. Like that that lesson are, is timeless. Yeah, and there are lyrics in the Fraggle song that's like, "When you're giving love away, love will come again to stay." Because what you give is what you gain. That's why we pass this rock around. Very anti-capitalist. <laughs> yeah, but it's also very like, "As you wish means I love you," you know. To, yeah. to steal a different reference. And I, I think that there's something just very powerful in the subtle ways that all of these characters say that they love each other that exist yeah. throughout this special. So whether it's the mom canceling her vacation to take care of her son or eventually Doc offering to go out in the snow to find Miss Piggy because he knows how much she means to Kermit. Yeah. Kermit, by the way, who has ruined his Christmas. <laughs> you know, I think there's there's something really powerful in all of the ways that this special says I love you without saying I love you. Yeah. Or even when the uh, big bird brings the bird seed to Swedish chef who's trying to kill him. <laughs> and he's like, it just occurred to me that it must be awfully hard to be all by yourself at Christmas, yeah. seeing as you are from Sweden and yeah. this is not Sweden. <laughs> You know? Yeah, man. And like I said kind of earlier, like how being born in 86 and being kind of like a child of the early 90s when excess just was not a real thing, especially coming out of like the Reagan era, like for a vast majority of kids, having just tons of things, like it just wasn't a reality. And these movies definitely kind of really sort of reinforced the notion of the holidays are not about having things. It's about having the people in your life that you kind of cherish and that you want to be around. So that, that lesson is always timeless. It's always timeless. And it's funny rewatching the family Christmas. I don't know if you ever saw Boondock Sinks, but the bar, the bartender from Boondock Sinks is in this movie. And that was very jarring. Who is he? In Boondock Sinks, he's... Who is he in this? Oh, he's he's like the guest. Like, so you know how it's Jim Henson and then it's the older white man with the yeah, white Doc. hair? Yeah, Doc. He's From Fraggle in, Rock? He's in... Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, he's in this. He was in Boondock Saints. I have seen Boondock Saints, but I don't think I internalized that they are the same person. Oh, I... When I saw this, I saw this guy, I immediately knew. I figure when you call people that kind of just talk without any kind of regard like just always say like cuss words like randomly i forget what that's called but he does that in gotta pass it on pass it on and what's up with this guy with glasses and no eyes what's his deal bunsen honeydew he yeah like this one i i swear to god i remember i remember this character i did not Realize he did not have fucking eyeballs. It will bring good luck to you. Did you ever watch Duck Man? Duck Man? Yeah, Duck Man by the people who made Rugrats. 
but for adults. Oh, shit. I haven't thought about this in fucking... Because he also has story. glasses and no eyes. No, he in his glasses, there are eyeballs in yeah, his glasses. You see him wake up in the morning and his glasses are on the counter and he has no eyes. And he has to, like, scrounge over to his glasses. It's terrifying. I mean, this guy, this... And this. Like, no, literally the pupils are drawn on his glasses. Yeah, I mean, at least, at least he has pupils. This guy here, he's just fucking... He's, he's no eye willy over here. God damn. When it's gone, it'll bring good luck to you. Pass it on. How did you remember Duckman? That was a fucking pool. Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Follow Marcus at Showin' Mad Love. S H O W I N M A D L O V on Twitter and Instagram. Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark. And join our We Should Do This Again Sometime Facebook group. Read us at catseesmovies.tumblr.com and the Mark Rob, T H E M A R C R O B dot WordPress dot com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?